This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah! Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah! But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to Bald Move Pulp, your officially unofficial source for all of the Loki talk. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're covering Loki Season 2, Episode 5, titled Science. And I'm going to pause here for a while. Fiction. Science. Fiction. Slash fiction? I don't want to say slash fiction because that has other connotations. Science. Ah, true. uh, Back slash fiction. Science is going to get down with fiction. Um, All right. Well, enough of the verbal wordplay what'd you think oh you want me to go first no one wants me yeah. to go first i no this is a bit i want you this, to go first this might be the episode that lost me on season two of loki this, this is the episode we've been talking this season about how alan Sepinwall has not found this season to be compelling yes and i think i see his point only now he must have watched this episode and said this is the one where it kind of goes off the rails because i felt like before this i had a lot of rules and I kind of knew the score everywhere. Here, we're just cast into a sea of fantasy. I mean, it's a fantasy. Uh, let's do some more <laughs> verbal wordplay Very here. Very nice. Very nice. I like it. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. When you start saying things like, it's not the who, the what, or the why, or, or it's, not, it's not the when, the where, or the why it's the who I start to go you really needed to establish some stronger rules here for me to follow that statement and and really for me to follow any of the statements uh, that Ouroboros makes about it not being the who or the where but the why I'm just not getting it I'm just and I don't know if this is because I like science fiction and this is kind of the another annoying thing about it is they named this episode science fiction and what they think is clever but it that kind of annoys me because I want my science fictiony more sciency and less mm. fictiony I don't know man I, they they lost me a little bit I will say I'm I'm not like totally off board with this episode I I think there's some cool stuff visually it's kind of amazing it's a tour de force Oh man um Whew. That spaghettification stuff is gorgeous, as it is terrifying. It really is. And and I still really like Obi. I think he's doing some really great stuff here. But I don't know. Plot-wise, I feel like they really lost me in this episode. Yeah, those visuals, man. The last time I felt simultaneously in awe at the beauty and also kind of like the terror of, and wrongness of what I've seen was like the movie Annihilation. Yes, the end of that movie is... Whoa. It's like holy hell, um, uh-huh. but it's this is terrible. But I can't take tear my eyes away from it. Um, 
so I had the opposite reaction. I really, and okay. then here's the thing. Like we just talked on lunch. Uh, we were talking about these HBO executives trolling Alan Suppenwall. And we, we uh, the, the thing I like about Alan Suppenwall is even when I disagree with him strongly, I usually can tell where he's coming from. I was like, well, that's, a, that's I can see his point. And mm-hmm. I feel the same way about my buddy Jim. 99% of the time, even when I think I, I don't agree with his opinion, I usually like, yeah, okay. I, I understand either where you're coming from or what about your experience and I, I yeah, was yeah. worried as I was watching this. I'm like, man, I'm not sure if Jim's going to make turn an emotional corner to connect with this. And also, yeah, it's very comic booky. Very. But, it's very fantasy. I, I see where you and Seppenwall are saying, but like to me, this was an amazing episode. This felt like the best kind of comic book. And I was so pleased with how it got to because if they just hit you right away with like. Well, if you just really want to, if you really just focus with all your love, you can just will yourself to do this thing. I would have been like, that's stupid. That's a shortcut. But they did that that. thing. And Tom Hiddleston was uh, was Hiddleston was ridiculous and it didn't work. And Obi was funny. And then a more plausible way to resolve it appeared. And then there was mm-hmm. a complication. You thought they couldn't make it, but then, uh, but but then that was they're able to desperately go to another thing. And then there was a plan, and I was fun, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of really cool. And where are they going to get a tent pad for? And they had me going right up until the tent pad, the temper, you know, got spaghettified, uh-huh. and everything was all, it all was lost. And that the way they use that phrase with with Sylvie saying that, like, maybe that's what it means to truly be a Loki. It's the to to lose and like Loki just like rejecting that with all his will. And the fact that he is an Asgardian God, the fact that he is a frost giant, the fact that it's not magic. It's just that these people are so far advanced that they wield fundamental forces of the galaxy um, in a way that like we use water to swim through to propel. He's not good at this. He's never done it before, but he's got this kind of senses and facility. And this like this this moment of like need, it's like a mom lifting her car off of a child. Mm-hmm. He just rejected it and fucking nailed it. And that to me fucking felt so right. And the Jim's background, if you're watching the video, is that exact moment that like I said, I, I just I just thought it was so clever and it's such a great payoff. And I think I think Tom nailed it that that um you know, like I, I don't want to be a fuck up anymore. I don't want to do this shit. I want, yeah. You know, it's like, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm not, I, I didn't change for myself, but I'm changing for other people and becoming a better person. I just, I don't know. All that shit worked, and everything else was just. Here's how, here's how in sync with this episode I was. That line where Owen Wilson uh, says, "What was my name?" and Loki says, "Mobius," and he pauses and says, "That is a pretty cool name." Yeah. Why watch that the first time I said out loud exactly what Owen Wilson said in exactly Owen Wilson's voice? Because <laughs> it's like I'd almost seen it's like it's like it was like uh, this weird deja vu. And I was just because like, I do this sometimes I make ironic comments. I'm like, what's the most Owen Wilson, Wes Anderson mm-hmm. thing for him to say? And it's exactly what came out of his mouth. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I and like yeah, I said, I, if I, I there's clearly your opinion is well-founded and I understand where you're coming from and I completely disagree, but I, I know where you and Alan are coming from and I, and I, and I, I respect that. And I, well, I, I think we agree more than maybe that lets on because I do think this was an emotionally powerful episode. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, the rules are kind of just 
up in the air and out the window and like all over the place for me. I, I like a little more structure to my plot, I guess. Uh, yeah, this feels like there isn't anything to grab onto here to say, I understand why these things can happen, you know? Uh, but emotionally, it, it was a really big... Well, here, here's the thing. I'm not sure it was a really big payoff because payoff implies a finality to it. I feel like there's one more shoe to drop here as far as Loki understanding his own motivations and himself. But but the path that he's on right now was incredibly compelling. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is like, and I've always tried to figure out a way to bridge this gap. Um, in this, in comic books, there's, there's a couple of genre forms, right? That you kind of observe, mm-hmm. like wrestling, you know, it's like you either get it or you don't, but like, it's pretty sophisticated storytelling. It's just in a very heightened you know, very stylized way to tell those stories, right? Uh, another sure. example is like 80s action movies. We love those, right? Like when oh, yeah. Bruce Willis gets the piss beat out of him and he's at his brokenest and bloodiest, we know that he's that's when he's strongest. at his most powerful, yeah. even though that makes yeah. no fucking sense. Uh-huh. I mean, he's lost from his feet alone five pints of blood. How, how's, he, <laughs> how's he even standing? Yeah. Comic books, one of the chief, and, and like an example from a, 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 a feminine perspective, I've been reading this a series of Court of Thorns and Roses, I think. Mm-hmm. A Kotar. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like genre conventions that like I roll my eyes at. Like the these these female protagonists, they're always young and they're always teenagers, there's always waifs, and they're always, you know, it's like they can't they, they can't just enjoy girly things because they're girly things, they enjoy it. They have to be like from wretched poverty and some powerful figure whisks them away and scrubs them and makes them beautiful against their will and they hate it and they put on the dress mm, and yeah. it's like I have to admit it does make Cinderella. my yeah, I, I do like to feel. I've never felt silk on my skin, but I do like. It's 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 like I I hate. To, I, I'd rather I'd rather be wearing my rough leather jerkin and my. And then like you know when they just want to eat like sumptuous food and cake, it's like oh you know this is how these rich people and they sit at the table and it's like oh it's so it's so much and it's so gross and it's but I do admit it's the best cake I've ever had and ooh I think I'll have another. It's like. You know, it's like uh, like watching 80s action movies. The power fantasy is uh, to be a psycho man murderer. Right. But <laughs> sure. but you, you don't want to be that. You want to be that. But you don't want to have like so you, you 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 make sure the guy is really, really motivated. Like those dudes killed his daughter or his dog or something. Yeah, so you can murder. Unlimited, you justified. You know, you, this, these women came from wretched backgrounds. They're not they're not they're not bourgeoisie. They just you know, they're. Comic book movies, part of the big thrill for me is always to see the hero in an inescapable odds at the last of his rope. And he's physically, mentally, in every way, emotionally beaten. But he doesn't fucking lose because he's the good guy. And this was huh. the, 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 the comic book, the storytelling, the, the theme they're going for is Loki the villain who is always loses because of course he is. He's the villain in a comic book movie just became the hero and yeah. through that power can win and, and i think that's, that's the other the, shoe the te- that's the techno bad it's all about it's like this is all warp core breaches and benzine rings and basard ram scoops it doesn't mean shit it means that picard and Riker and data can win this is loki becoming a hero and winning and it's such a great payoff that these two seasons as a comic book fan gotcha chef's yeah. kiss that makes a lot of sense as as a genre convention, I suppose. And, and and to me, that is the other shoe to drop here. The one that I was hinting at earlier is I don't think Loki just wants to be with his friends. I think Loki wants to be a hero. It feels like that's the thing that they've been building to. And he hasn't quite admitted that yet. But I think that's the thing he's kind of 
gonna understand it maybe next episode or maybe next season i don't know but that feels like the ultimate goal for loki to be a, for one for once to not be a villain to be a hero and the thing is is that's i was trying to get that with the like he's not changing for himself because that's the that's the best most enlightened zen buddhist monk way of self-improvement i'm not improving because i want to be better for my family or my because i want to be better for myself i want to improve my own self but it, most people don't get there right away right Oh, sure, sure. It's like it's, it's itself. It reinforces the theme of an Ouroboros like Loki doesn't necessarily want to be the hero, but he is lonely and he was lonely as a villain and he wants friends. He wants his like brother's love and his family's love and he never could get it because he's always that villain. But now does he want to be a hero? Okay. Does he want to be a friend? Yeah. And, and, and does wanting to be friends and connect with people make you necessarily a hero and mm-hmm. make you act heroically as and being the hero, the thing that connects you? connects other versus being selfish and only pursuing your own like your your greater happiness lies in serving and connecting with others like like you know sylvie said you know he's like this is so selfish she's like yeah hello we're loki you know Mm -hmm. i just thought like i said both shoes have dropped but we Mm -hmm. we don't know which one dropped first right because they both dropped first yeah and like i said it's like it's you and alan it's like um you know, if, like if you you might love, I know you guys both love Star Trek: The Next Generation, but you mm-hmm. a person that just doesn't like science fiction is not going to, you know, they're going to be like, what the fuck? How many warp cores are going to breach? And you know, and how many times are going to bring someone back from the dead with the teleporter? And, uh-huh. and it's like, but that's not the point, man. The point is, we don't want Riker to die. We'd rather have him have a weird twin brother. Okay, that's sure. what we want in Star Trek. We don't want it to make sense. We want it to do, and I, that's why it just works so well for me. And people who've, you know, been around the block with Bald Move and, and listening to me talk about these various series, they know like one of my bugaboos with fantasy and magic in general is that kind of anything can happen, especially in yeah. bad fantasy where like they don't establish rules. And and the thing that I really loved about this season so far is I felt like they had established rules with this inherently insane fantasy concept of these timelines right yeah i thought i knew i thought i had something to grab onto there and say these are the rules and so when they you flip that table in this episode and now i have nothing to grab onto i'm just floating around going what what is it what can i i'm looking for something to grab onto and there's nothing there uh except for you know emotionally i think there's a lot to grab onto yeah and that's the thing is like I, I the more I think about it, the more I'm pleased because the other thing that makes it work is it subverts your expectation because there's a couple I and I'm, I, I see this other genre fans you know, like like wrestlers it's like sometimes they'll have a like something that's the greatest storylines are when you think they're going down the same old garden pad like oh, this is stupid and then they do something really surprising with it and like because you know like you mentioned like the things that drive you nuts about these comic book movies is anything that can happen and like that's true anything can happen except for the villain can't win Unless sure, the villain sure. does, but the uh-huh. villain only wins so that the heroes can win extra hard the next time. Superman and, can't die except when he dies so that he can come back in a surprise yeah, resurrection. Yeah, right? sell even more comic. But yeah, so it's like yeah, that's yeah. the, and I just, like I said, I, I know, I understand that it's silly. Just like it's silly to let, let a man murder a thousand people just because somebody kidnapped his daughter. And it's silly that... You know, why can't you just enjoy cake and girly things without having to justify it behind three levels of detached? I'm not like the other girls, ironic detachment, you know, like mm-hmm. because, you know, we want to be the heroes, but we also want to do things like eat all the cake and murder all the people. And sometimes we just want people to win against all odds because we want to believe that's possible in real life, uh, even sure. though it's not. Yeah. Um, and like Tom, just like, man, I don't think I've ever seen this. 
like villain to like this heel to face turn done this artfully um and so sneakily too because it's like it wasn't yeah. i don't think a ham fisted at all it's like it was a surprise to loki when he realized these things about and it's himself. been building for two seasons i mean it's not like mm-hmm. it came out of nowhere uh and it all felt this super <laughs> supernatural and i don't mean that as one word i mean it as two and the thing I think is really cool is this is all based on the actor's chemistry because I I, I th- thought throughout this episode do I actually buy that Loki is these people's friends especially considering that he Loki might never have had a friend other than maybe Thor for his whole life mm-hmm. um, and I'm like I do because like all these things we talked about about these people being funny and endearing and like effortlessly ch- like charming and how like likable Casey and Ob are and. And like, uh, you know, one me is B-15 and and Owen Wilson. And it's like, yeah, like they haven't really nailed it. But I do believe that that Loki considers these guys his friends and he's intensely mm-hmm. connected to Sylvie. So, like, yeah, I, I just I just really bought it. I thought it was it is great. And and it's it's I thought it's good material. But I understand why the non the, the real non comic book, you know, aficionados that wouldn't like it. And uh and hell, a lot of probably comic book aficionados. I'm just saying that, like, I, I feel like I got the full spectrum Loki wavelength, and I was really digging it. Um, especially right. since I started this episode with the like when you know uh, we said that like the one thing they can't do is not have the universe explode. Uh-huh, and yeah. when I it became clear to me that the universe hadn't exploded, uh, I like until they I was like, oh my god, what the hell? Like the first thirty seconds, <laughs> I was freaking TV. out. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I see what they're doing, and yeah, oh man. On second watch, ooh, this just just played beautiful. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I was wondering how they top the mighty Throg, or yeah, Throg <laughs> and Crocodile uh-huh. Loki and Democracy Loki and Golden Age Loki, but I, I think they did. As fun as that episode was, this just hit so much harder for me. I, I do like the the beginnings of this. I think where it starts to get muddy is when Obi and Loki are trying to figure out you know, how do I get back to this timeline and how do I control this time shifting? Uh, I, I like a lot of this episode and I, I think, like I said, emotional payoff is big. It's, it's plot wise, not my favorite, yeah. but, but I think we should get into the recap and just start talking about the likes and dislikes. All right. All right. We start off with Loki waking to find himself alone. You know, the, the, temporal loom is just blown up we're right where we were at the end of last episode uh loki wakes up he finds himself alone in the loom room in fact he's alone in the tva um loom room still intact though it's interesting and he starts time shifting again and then he sees himself in one timeline but he shifts back into the past again uh then he finds himself a few seconds later behind himself he's like there's this recursive time loop thing that's happening uh and then he shifts away again as tendrils overtake the tva we we think this is the destruction of the timelines which we'll see later the other thing is so like i i wouldn't be surprised and i i meant everything i said about the comic booky nature but i also wonder if they're they're doing something else sneaky because the whole episode is in the context of the tva being in this fail safe kind of recovery mode yeah, this twelve twenty nine code, and they 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 put that previously on with Kang, where he says, you know, you think that you came of your own free will, but every step of your path, I was I was paved by me. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder if this bullshit power that Loki's got is literally Kang exploiting him to Ouroboros his whole deal and put him back on the throne. It kind of feels like it. I've seen this described as Loki creating the TVA. And if that was, would that make you feel better about this? That this isn't some that like Loki thought it was essentially he thought is like a Peter Pan Tinkerbell. If you clap your hands hard enough, it'll happen. And it actually was just Kang, like some kind of Kang pulling a, 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 I don't know, like a billiard trick shot with time. If they can explain how that works. Sure. Uh, And it it can be pseudoscience. It can be fantasy terms, but I want to understand the rules behind it. Uh, That's the only thing that's bothering me about it. So yeah, they can explain that. When Sylvie kicked you through the portal, I'd secretly inverted its polarity, so you'd be unstuck through time. And (laughs) that's you know, you're as gutfully than an ex, uh, just a big dump of exposition. But sure, you're lying if you tell me you wouldn't swallow that on a mid mid season TNG episode, though. Like the the warp core breach equivalent. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Uh oh, timelines branching. We'll be right back. The TVA is watching. Here's more Loki. Uh, so I, I said that's I, I you know I, I do kind of a, like a deep as, as happy as I am with how this is already a next level would be to turn out that it was Kang all along. And I, you can see how that would really fuck with Loki because just as he thought that he had like gotten to a new level with the power of the lovers of friends of Kang's like oh actually no you were just doing yeah. all the things and you only had the power that I granted and then I can take it back from you and now you're back as slaves in my timeline. Mm-hmm. I, I really do feel like that's where they're headed with the way they've been like like you said with the previously ons yeah they've really been leaning into because that line makes remains. no sense in any other connection like there's no other hint of that in that episode so it's got right. to be Why bring that back up? it has to has to contain the set of the entire events of this episode and yeah yeah and i assume the destruction of the timelines here are a result of he who remains his actions, right? I, I mean, that was the threat. He was the threat that there would be Clearly, a big war among him yeah. that uh-huh. would eventually cause the destruction of the timeline. So that's got to be his doing. Yeah, it could be. It's like, or uh, I haven't quite figured out the why it's happening, whether as a con you can only have a sacred timeline for so long and then like it becomes ungovernable and or i wonder well it's not about hmm. the why it's about the who or if you're or if, or if the a whole idea of a sacred timeline is it has to be an ouroboros where the timeline has to eventually eat itself and begin again and this is mm. like you know like the architect this is the seventh time we've destroyed the zides we've become exceedingly good at it. like this is a consequence of him the to, to stay winning he has to have the universe kind of yeah. And some ask to wind back up on the throne, and if if you did it in a deterministic way, it would fail. So you have to do it in kind. Of, I don't know. There's 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 a lot of ways they could run with it, but I kind of I, I hope that's where they're going, or maybe something else because these these writers I think are pretty pretty fucking good. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so let's go back to 1962 on a branch timeline uh, in San Francisco, California. Casey is trying to escape from Alcatraz with some other guys. Uh, he's a prisoner. They make it to shore. Loki shows up. He recognizes Casey, but Casey does not recognize him. And then Loki shifts away again. 
this is another I like this because you know this was back in first season where they established that Loki was DB Cooper as essentially a joke that him and his brother Thor pulled on humanity. <laughs> uh, the fact that like the Alcatraz mystery is solved because Loki yeah. went back and fucked a time. I thought it was pretty. I just always think of the MythBusters episode with the raincoats and as soon as, to, as soon as I yeah. saw them all on the shore, like made it safe. I'm like, God damn it, Jamie and Admiral right because I, <laughs> I just recently watched that episode. Um, oh, okay. the only good thing that's come out of Discovery Mac uh, HBO merger is that I can watch every episode of MythBusters for free on on Max. Nice. Um, yeah, for free for fifteen ninety nine a month. Yeah, true, true. And now it's a job 4K for $19.99 a month. Damn, really? Uh-huh. Dude, I was just thinking, like, because <laughs> Apple's gone, going up to, like, $9.99. Like, it's, like, to have a solid lineup of premium channels, it's going to cost you, like, 60 bucks. Oh, or, easily. Yeah. Between, we've, I mean, we've, you almost we, get there with Netflix and HBO alone. Dude, we, and we knew this was coming, right? We have reinvented basic premium cable only worse. Like, an objectively worse amount of offering yeah. for objectively more money. I mean, I gotta go. I gotta go start buying shit on iTunes again by the season because it's cheaper to do it than to bundle all of it. Yeah, it's worth all the bullshit to rent a movie off a couch, though. I gotta say, it's not convenient. having to go to Blockbuster and 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 pay three ninety nine because you you didn't get the movie watched that night. True. It's it's but but yeah, maybe we could we could we we need some mergers. We need we need some more more mergers. <laughs> more mergers. We need to get this oh, down no. to about three of these fuckers that we pay about forty five bucks a month for. And we get all the content. That's what we need. Well, speaking of switching channels, uh, Loki switching time channels here. He arrives in a bunch of different timelines. He arrives at the McDonald's we've seen where Sylvie works. He arrives at a personal watercraft dealership, and then in the TVA time theater. And he's just kind of jumping all over the place. And this is kind of just a taste of what's to come here. Yeah. Because he, he's then going to jump over to a 2012 on another branch timeline in New York, New York, where B-15 is working as a doctor. And she sees Loki shift in and out of her timeline. It's like, what the fuck was that? Uh... Yeah, I really liked Owen Wilson going back and seeing, you know, where is his jet ski paying off? And he's just a he's such an interesting character that we'll, we'll come to appreciate. Like, uh huh. This guy who just kind of breezing through life, man, just just trying to get to the next time and get on a jet ski. There's something pure about it. Yeah. And he's got some some struggles, but he's keeping but, up his spirits pretty high. You know, it's, he, he loves those boys, but. Maybe not as much as he loved jet skiing and and, uh, <laughs> and selling jet skis and and they're a handful. Yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, hard hard to hold them close when they're 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 setting you on fire. But uh, yeah, I I thought this was I I always thought I thought all these uh, flashbacks, especially the one with Ob. I I really like the one with B fifteen though. Um, mm. it, it, she's she's the one who's kind of been concerned for the timelines the most right and and what it means to prune a timeline all the people they're killing right like when i see the case for not pruning it's always b15 at the forefront here and seeing Mm -hmm. her origins as as a doctor being maybe even a pediatrician i don't i don't know exactly what kind of doctor she is here but she's working with the kids sure great uh, bedside at least in this scene and she's got great bedside manner with the children she seems really happy in her job 
seems like a caring person in general. I wonder how much of this, I wonder how much of the personalities of these people have carried over into the TVA life they have now. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, it's, I guess it's kind of easy to buy that um, Mobius might find more fulfillment at the TVA than what he's doing, but like harder to see one me, you know, uh, B-15, because mm-hmm. she seemed like extraordinarily happy and capable and, and appreciated near, you know, healing people, you know, uh, it's got to be better than being a jackbooted thug pruning timeline. So I wonder if like the results vary, but it'd be interesting to see that like their inner, even in the jack boots, she still has that inner core of yeah, yeah she does the, the doctor in her. Yeah, once she's presented with a scenario where it's it's able to come out, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, like you said, we go over to the 2022, which is another branch timeline here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we see Mobius as a personal watercraft salesman. Uh, Loki shifts in. He tells him that the TVA is gone, and like everybody else, Mobius doesn't recognize him. And then he shifts out again. Uh, See, I, I thought I thought you were introducing a discussion of all the flashbacks. I'm like, that's a weird. There's a lot of them, but okay, let's go with it. It, it would be a lot. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry about that. Because he I, takes I, a quick I got, mini tour of all of them. You know, first. I, I time yeah. jumped in the podcast, and I just saw myself <laughs> uh, jump in with a take from ten minutes in the future. Uh, yeah. But but yeah. I, speaking uh, of jumping in, I love when Loki jumps into this. Dude. I, I think you can't beat, for wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man gags, you can't beat the Always Sunny episode with D's dancing. But <laughs> this is a pretty good second. It's it's really funny. And it's just, well, I mean, yeah, the top, the, the, the top tier transition. And Tom they've done a the, lot with Loki's shifting. Like when Mobius says, "Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks like you're being born and dying at the same time." That was uh-huh. hilarious. When he jumps in as the inflatable tube man here, it's hilarious. Yeah, they're getting a lot of mileage out of that, and I love it. Yeah. And I also the, the misunderstanding of the TVA with the ATVs. <laughs> oh no, no, we got we just got a shipment in this week. There's a bunch of them upstairs, man. <laughs> so funny. And like, got, there's a couple points this episode where I'm like, man, the writers must have just patted themselves on the back after that line, and that was one of them when yes. they realized they could do the jet skis and the ATVs at the TVA. Yeah. Because oh. that's no, the thing is like. This this Mobius uh, in his former life would there's no nothing that he no disconnection will he allow between him and his attempt to make a sale you know uh-huh. a stranger right. wandering off the street come on in have a ball have a beer you know it's like he just TVA you, no you mean ATV yeah it's e- even when he's been transported through time to Obi's workshop he's still selling still selling. Always yeah. be closing, man. He paid attention. <laughs> He's gonna he get took that. Al, He's Alec Baldwin to heart. Man. He will. He's, he ain't yeah. selling for the steak knives. Nope. He's earning his coffee. Uh, let's go over to 1994 in another branch timeline in Pasadena, California. Uh, we pick up with Obi here. He's a writer. He tries to buy his own book at a bookstore after planting it on their shelves and gets kicked out. And he goes back to his workshop where... Loki shifts in and tells him what happened and what he's trying to do, which is to get back to the time before the temporal loom was destroyed, melted down. Um, And Obi says, well, you need to learn how to control your time slipping. And they kind of set about trying to make that happen. Um, Eventually, they settle on the idea that 
they need to get everyone who was present in that moment back together so that they can kind of take a pattern of the temporal aura of that moment and they'll be able to find it that way. Uh, I know we've said it a lot, but like, man, Obi is killing it. Yeah. Best part of the show, in my opinion, at this point. Mr. Quant, I, and that's, and that we talked about, um, you know, sometimes the gears, we just talked about, keep referring to lunch, uh, you know, Robin Williams, how he had the, uh, you know, he's a zany comic genius. And if that's all he was, he'd be world class. But he also had this whole other gear where he get to hit these dramatic and play these chilling, scary characters. And it's like wild. Um, and I kind of feel the same way when you're watching uh, OB here that like I just saw this guy like this, this, you know, you've seen this and Data and Goonies and, you know, short round in Indiana Jones. And he's got and this is like a. Uh, like like even more kind of like pure default innocent form of that and it's just so endearing i saw mm-hmm. someone on reddit say like w- this is the opposite of a punchable face this is oh, like yeah. a huggable uh, face like, like a huggable face yeah a huggable <laughs> uh-huh. face um but yeah he's also like in everything everywhere all at once he like legit hits like a james bond gear and like this like debonair suave ultra romantic sexy gear and he contains multitudes, man. I yeah. And it's just like that. The it, you just like admit, like I did. Did anyone watch this episode and not go aw when that lady kicked him out of her bookstore? Because science fiction is a well-read and respected genre, you know. <laughs> According to Ovi, yeah. Uh, was it in the nineties? Eh, I laughed not. out loud at how fucking much Tom Clancy was on the shelves, man. I thought that oh, was so. Was like, he just overflowing? Yeah, I was like, I think they had like six different of his novels, uh, in like nice. both like the 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 primary angle and reverse angle shot. Um, that's because, but because I, I, I don't think science fiction ever went out of style. But like, yeah, like we're living in a golden age of science fiction fantasy right now. Nineties mm-hmm. was a lot more, you know, before Lord of the Rings, uh, before Star Wars and Matrix reboots, we were in much more of a gritty post eighties crime terrorism, oh, yeah. kind of thing thrillers uh i mean thrillers are still huge but like yeah those yeah yeah but i i don't know because i i thought this is because this is the you know the level one comic book stupid which is the hero wins but he does it in like you know like invents a new power for some stupid reason like you know it's like the flash for example the flash is like i think if i could vibrate the molecules of my hand fast enough i can pass through this wall so i can get a glass of water it's like what what do you can he can fucking vibrate his molecules but like if he's up against death's door with some massive supervillain out of his power class about to choke him out then he invents the ability to vibrate because you know he can move so fast he can vibrate it's like oh fuck yeah that's awesome mm-hmm. i felt i i was afraid stakes. that they were I was afraid they're going for this level one where it's like, well, he can just do this because he wants it bad enough. And I was really happy to see them subvert it and go with like a much more like rules based kind of mechanical, like temporal aura. Like I and I'm like, oh, that's actually funny, which mm-hmm. or that's actually really interesting. I'm glad they did that. And then they unironically did it the first time, but with feeling and it just really worked. But this is the. This is where I was like, oh, I was, I was genuinely impressed at the episode for not just doing the like, well, Loki's going to do it because he's an Asgardian god and blah, 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 blah. Uh, they it, subverted it, that. They did, yeah. And I, I really like um, Obi kind of twisting Loki up here. You know, Loki seems, or, or Obi seems to be on a train of thought that 
look, I can't follow as a viewer. Mm. <laughs> I want to admit that right off the bat. But Loki can't follow, which I think is even funnier. Yeah. Uh, when he's talking about, you know, with fiction, it's the why. It's not the what mm. or the how. Uh, yeah. I, I think that stuff is really funny, but it's also where it loses me like it loses Loki. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not even sure where they're going with it's. it is a fiction problem. I th- I mean, th- this is obviously a very, like I mentioned, the fact that the writers probably congratulated themselves a couple times. I, th- I thought there's some, some clever writing here. The fact that Loki's like, oh, my God, you're a writer. I'm doomed. Uh, the fact that, you know, that like writing is a is a not a lucrative hobby for the vast majority of people that he has to be a Ph.D. at Caltech to afford yeah, yeah. the hobby of, of being a writer. Right. Uh, but it is a pretty writerly episode. And I, like the idea that like essentially this is about changing one's life story that yeah. if you if you believe and you and you're committed enough that you can change the story of one's life is such like what the hell does that even mean in terms of concept that's what is a story of one's life what is you know but I, I didn't quite get it but like i said it's like well that's a techno babble term i don't understand but sure and i guess it has more meaning when you're a god right who can perhaps through some yeah, act that, of will does... control that yeah, that does ring true because, like, you know, I've, I've you've been through a, a fair amount of therapy, and there's like a couple techniques that therapists have asked me to try that I thought were insane. Like, yeah, you know, I remember first time they're like, "You surely do affirmations." And what the fuck are affirmations? It's like, what's well, where you look yourself in the mirror and you say you, you hold yourself in kind regard and you say positive things, things that you want to manifest and aspire, positive qualities you have, things like that. And I'm like, are you, like the fucking Stuart Smalley shit on Saturday Night Live. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people, you want what kind of fucking idiot do you think I am? And I'm like, all right, Doc, at this point, we've been through a lot of shit. I'm going to try this stupid affirmation shit out and I'll be goddamned if it didn't work. There's some things that like, yeah, like our brains don't work on. I mean, they probably do work on some kind of deterministic way that, you know, we just like it's, it's so complicated. We can't fathom. But like. A lot of times you can't logic yourself out of like emotional situations and those emotional situations have real life effects on your health and your motivation and all that stuff. That's why this therapy stuff works. Sometimes Mm -hmm. like there's a metaphysical truth that you can't get to in terms of reality. Like sometimes I think even though I'm an atheist, I'm pretty committed one. Like I feel like dabbling in Eastern religion and some of those concepts of like of, of meditation and how to view things are a way to like somehow forge a mind body connection and there's no language you know what I'm saying and I that that mm-hmm. I think this stuff works with me like that that there is yeah Loki is an Asgardian god and this stuff doesn't make literal sense but it gets his juices flowing so he can get at a deeper truth that has some kind of connection in his facility yeah that's what yeah, I'm saying it's like works I mean like, yes. take take the time stuff out of it right and if Sylvie was just sitting down with a normal human and saying if you don't like the way your life is going change the story I mean it's it's draw it's pushing him hmm. to a decision point where yeah. he has to understand what it is he's craving and how it is he's going to get that. And I think that's where, like I was saying earlier, emotionally it really works. Yeah. And I, it's like, you know, Loki's confusion of that, like mirrored, you know, some of the things like, it's like, man, I don't know. It sounds like bullshit, but I guess I'll give it a try. And uh, he yeah. did. And he, fa- you know, that's the thing. It's like, it was a wild goose chase too, but you could argue that OB putting him on this treadmill gave him the practice that he needed throughout the episode to finally, when he needed in a moment of crisis, do the time you know the time jump of all time jumps so yeah yeah uh and eventually like they they settle on you know this idea that they're gonna have to track the temporal auras but they don't have a time pad um 
and you know <laughs> Obi doesn't have the knowledge he needs to build it in this timeline but it so happens that when he was at the TVA earlier he had picked up the handbook and stuck it in his pocket and so he pulls that book out and hands it to Obi and says uh, maybe you do have the knowledge and he shifts away again and there again the way this Ouroboros is that like mm-hmm. you know Victor Timely had the knowledge but not the material science and OB here has material science but not the knowledge and they are a Mobius strip and an Ouroboros and it's it's so satisfying I think yeah and, and putting this kind of prominent book in front of Loki and giving him a context for it all uh, mm-hmm. is something that Victor Timely kind of did you know so then you wonder is this part of He Remains plan it's, it's and, interesting uh, and yeah and the like yeah, just the way he beams when he goes so I do write a, a bestseller uh, oh yeah it's on every desk <laughs> it's on every desk at the TVA it's so good uh, another really good moment in this scene is when Obi's trying to like test a bunch of theories he has, right? He's like, oh, I wonder if electricity works. And he he shocks him. He just tases him out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, I forgot about <laughs> he's that. He's like, okay, no, nope, electricity doesn't cause it. And then Loki turns around and he grabs a taser and he briefly spins around to Obi like he's going to tase him back mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. like you can't believe but he you. realizes you're doing yeah i just said let's not do the fiction let's do the science and then uh-huh. he, he does the fight or flight's like okay let's not do the science either <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty good uh so loki is then back on mobius's timeline and he introduces himself to mobius and mobius takes him to his garage where he tries to sell him uh one of his sedus and then loki starts telling mobius about his real life and um you know who he is what his name is what he does at the tva and and he's not buying it but then obi comes through a time door having constructed a tim pad after 19 months of trying <laughs> and loki uses the tim pad to help convince mobius to help him another great one like he pops in it's like how did you do this already because it's been 18 months he goes well 19 i had to take a month off when uh my wife kicked me out of the apartment we got divorced like yeah this guy, oh, but like also a science fiction author is a PhD at Caltech gets this book. That's the thing that would lead to a divorce. Like he's, he's you either got to let it. Yeah. You either got to let that wild stallion out to the pasture and trust he's going to come back after he creates a TVA or you got to you got to walk away because there's yeah, there's no way that's a siren call. He cannot ignore. But I just love that. Like just he's not necessarily sad or how he's just reporting the facts, man. And the way he struggles with this device in the background where he's like trying to close the door and he keeps on losing the horizontal and the vertical sink and it's off in the bushes just yeah, oh no, man no. I didn't even notice that the first time the second time I was watching I just watched him and it's just high comedy you're listening to Loki with Bald Move we'll be right back Woo! Prune the last commercial from the timeline. We're back with more Loki. I also think one of the reasons he's just sort of matter of fact about this, A, you know, he's OB, but B, I think he knows that with the Tempad, he could go back to before he spent uh, 18 months developing this and just be with his wife again right like that tricky little bastard he's like yeah yeah you hate me now but you'll love me again when i come back like is the second i leave Uh uh-huh it'll be like i never left like they tell mobius yeah 
which I love this scene. I think Mobius is acting in this scene. Owen Wilson's acting. Mobius is not acting. Owen Wilson's acting is so powerful and it's so understated and minimal. Like just the way he talks about his kids, like I'm, he he doesn't want to leave them. And even when he knows he can come back to them and they'll never know mm-hmm. he was gone, he'll know it. There's mm-hmm. something, something really emotional in the way he's I'll talking. I'll have to here. go. Yeah. I'll have to experience a time apart from them. It was, it was touching. Yeah. And then, you know, the joke of, well, it's a pretty cool name. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not even joking. I, it was a, it's never happened. I don't think ever before where I'm like, I said something just as a joke that was the thing. And like it, most times I'd be, if I'm making a joke and the show falls into it, it would be bad. But this is just uh-huh. like, that's just a perfect fucking thing for Owen Wilson to say. It's the perfect last pebble on the sided scale that's going to tip the balance. Like, that is a pretty cool name because it is. It is. So, armed with the tin pad, Loki goes to collect the rest of the group. He quickly brings each of them back to Obi's workshop, but it's not everyone. He still needs to find one Sylvie. Uh, I found that that uh, I guess the directors of this episode played the Anglin brothers, the guy who's not Frank. The guys are not Frank from Alcatraz. I thought that okay. was kind of funny. Nice. Uh, Casey's yeah. also he's pocketing things from 1994. I know he is a thief by trade. It seems, especially maybe a bank robber. But he's seeing yeah. all these weird things from 1994, and specifically from Obi's workshop. That he's like, I bet this is worth something. Let me just yoink. You gotta look for. You gotta go for the sports almanac, man. Time right. travel Information. scam one hundred and one. Yes, take that back to nineteen sixty. Whatever. Hmm. Um. Go to Biff. Biff Tanner. Tannen. Yeah. Biff yeah, Tanner. Get that route. handbook. Get that handbook. Mm. I bet sixties technology. You could probably build a temporal loom. I don't know. We went to the moon would, with sixties. It tech. would definitely. You could. You could sell that to an uh, some kind of industrial thing for a couple million dollars anyway. Oh yeah. But like I said, if you're a time traveler, the way you'd like money would almost be meaningless because there's you could acquire anything you want yeah. <laughs> effortlessly, essentially. And he kind of has the right idea. Oh, so I can teleport into a bank vault undetected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. But he's just and not you can teleport into a bank vault from from 30 years in the future, grab the money, go back 30 years and not have to worry about it for 30 years. True. You rob a bank for thirty grand to put it in Apple stock in nineteen eighty four, and then never have to wor- yes. work in your whole fucking life. You know. All right. So Loki then goes to collect Sylvie. He goes to her McDonald's, and surprisingly, she knows who he is and everything that happened because she's a Loki too. Uh, and they go to a bar to chat, and Sylvie thinks it's great that everyone's back in their real lives because she gets to live one as well. She makes Loki admit that he's really doing all of this to get his friends back and calls both of them selfish. And he kind of wonders where he belongs in this whole story. And she tells him, go write your own. How much do you think McDonald's made off this deal? Or did Disney make off the deal? Did you think they had like a, a bidding war? It's like, okay, we got Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's. Burger Chef, Wendy's. Well, I guess Burger Chef would be out of running because they can't give him money. Hardee's, Carl Jr. But but yeah, just had a big uh, like like just just like highest bidder. Or do you think that they really wanted and went for McDonald's because it had by far the most iconic lobby experience? Like nobody else was doing that. 
fucking That's forest really... play set zone thing back then, you know? It's a really good question. I feel like in the 90s, this would have been a product placement that McDonald's would have paid to get into this movie. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, the brand recognition is so strong for some of these brands that I almost feel like you have to pay to get them. It it's almost reversed. Like we specifically want, we're going for a very specific feel in this scene. We need the brand that recognizes that feel. We got to pay to get it. Oh, the could also be because the year uh, in terms of iconicness, Disney and McDonald's. Yeah. Like that's neck literally, that's like you add blue jeans and that's like American culture to like a lot of the world. Right. I wonder yeah. if it's like it's almost like you know fe- featuring in like yeah uh, you know, like rappers featuring each other in their their tracks you know it's like sure. y- yeah at certain levels like you're not really exchanging money you're exchanging you know like does money change hands when like Eminem raps with Jay Z or do they just like hey we're like fucking giant giant names well we'll know if we see Ahsoka figure showing up in Happy Meals. That well, I was thinking like, but this is like a little not kitty enough to be a Happy Meal promotion. Um, true, true. You know what we need? We need like, do they even still do the 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 uh, Monopoly stuff? Because I love that Monopoly. They need to like chase Loki oh, through yeah. time promotion, where every medium drink you get like a little peel off, and uh, uh-huh. you know, if if it's Loki, you don't win anything. Maybe you win a fries, but if it's Sylvie, you get a chance to enter the grand pet. I could yeah. I could get down with that. I'd buy I'd buy I don't know. Fast food experience is pretty bad. We're in, we're in a bad spot here in America. <laughs> yeah. It's not worth eating out unless you're willing to pay fancy dinner prices. Everything mm-hmm. else is like the roulette of shit. Will you yeah. will will you actually get the food that you want? Will it be the correct temperature? Will it make you ill? <laughs> Spin the wheel, find out. Um okay. Uh, there's there's a mention here because in the bar you also see a an arcade machine. I don't want to point this out here. It's called Zaniac. Mm. And if you were paying attention earlier, you remember that that's the movie that Brad X Five was in back in the seventies. Can't remember what year it was, but yeah, that's his his franchise, right? Yeah, that the Zaniac craves blood. That's actually what is on the cover of Mighty Thor. I think it's 379. It came out in 1982. That's the first appearance of Zaniac. Oh, and okay. it's got Zaniac punching back. Thor to the ground when he's screaming, Zaniac craves blood. So <laughs> it's a uh, it's a nice and this is like Zaniac is he's looking. like a Z list Thor mm-hmm. villain. This is not like a major. This is like calendar man shit with Batman or something, you know? Yeah, but it's also got the internal reference, which we'll get back to at the end of this episode as well. Okay, you caught that one. Nice. I did not catch that one because I don't fucking watch post-credit sequences, and I definitely don't listen to post-credits audio stingers. Sorry. I don't either. I usually find it, but like this one is like it was my second watch. I'm sitting here at my computer, and I was finishing up my notes, and I just let the credits play, and then out of nowhere, uh, I hear the... I'm like, what the hell? And yeah. I, I only caught it in my research round. Other people were right. talking about it, and I was like, oh, gotcha. okay. Um, so we're back at OBHQ, OB headquarters. Um, they wait and they chat while Loki is off chatting with uh, Sylvie, and he eventually returns and tells them all to just go home. None of this here matters. 
Uh, and this is where Mobius is trying to still sell jet skis to people. I love it. Uh, uh, Casey's oh, looking so around for things to steal. I got I got spun off on the Zaniac stuff. I want to draw attention. When Sylvie said two bourbons, the bartender says, excellent choice, Sylvie. What the fuck? That's like, what do you want to drink? Two wines. Excellent choice. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't say what to, which What would you like to bourbon? drink? I'll have two beers. Excellent choice, Sophie. Yeah. Or Sylvie. What? Two bourbon? What? <laughs> He's a fan of bourbon. That's like, I mean, yes, yeah, 19... okay. The two, the rottest, guttiest, wellest bourbons I've got. In that time, uh, bourbon was not popular. Anybody ordering a bourbon would have that been. True? I mean, I, I mean, it's certainly not as popular. I know as bourbons. Today. I know bourbon bourbons boom. have exploded in popularity in the last like yeah. two decades, but with like, I guess I kind of came of age in the type age millennials. Of yeah, of which I include myself because why well, we can't get blends no more. Everyone yeah, buy, buying them. Yeah, uh, but then it would have been kind of. I think so, somebody might. Most people would order whiskey, right? They just give me a whiskey. Right, two whiskeys right. to order two bourbons. Oh. Now that's niche. All right, um, we're we're gonna get to some other good Sylvie stuff here. You want to go for it with the record shopping? Sure. Because here's where the episode really just goes into a whole other gear. She's shopping for records. The clerk gives her a suggestion, and she goes to listen to it in the back of the store. And weird time shit starts happening all around her, and eventually. Her whole world is destroyed just after she time shifts out. Man, the the visuals. That scene where like it just like the the way the glass was extruded when you're doing a glass panel, like I don't know who came up with this effect. It's probably invented for an Apple commercial six years ago, but Man, and the way yeah. it was swirling around that record and swirling around her, and she just like escaped through that time portal in the nick of time, mm -hmm. and how bleak the universe left when she lets like the heat death of the universe personified. It's yeah, that's what I like. As if it's sucking up, you know, all the color, right? Because the tendrils start with color, and as they touch yeah. things, they just fade into they desaturate. It's literally the lowest form of entropy, you know. It's it's mm -hmm. it's it's the death of everything. It's it's nothing. Uh, and how it just crumbles it's... away when it's touched. We'll see that in you know fine fashion later with Loki grabbing at it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I thought yeah, it was it was really really cool. Uh, did you notice in the previous scene where Loki shows up at McDonald's that her bag? starts to do this too like they're they're yeah. hinting at the destruction mm -hmm. of these timelines pretty early on it's it's un it's unraveling yeah mm -hmm. and like she's like she's like huh like where did my food go <laughs> yeah uh and we're gonna have the man the ultimate manifestation of that here with the tempad uh in this final chunk of scenes uh the group back at obhq questions why loki would send them home when he said everyone was in danger uh but before he can answer, Sylvie shows up and tells them that the branches are dying and they have to do something. She's now on board. And with her here, Loki realizes, oh, we can track down that moment uh, with the temporal aura before the loom was destroyed. Unfortunately, the tempad is gone and their own branch starts dying. And in his distress at seeing Sylvie destroyed, Loki figures out how to control this time shift thing. 
and he says he can rewrite the story and then transports himself back to before the temporal loom was destroyed at the TVA. Yeah, man. Like I said, this strikes at the heart of what it is to be a comic book, you know, that like the good guys can't ever lose as long as they are trying to do good. As long as they're trying to save and preserve things, they are unbeatable on that ground. And Loki has never fought on that ground. It's an unfamiliar ground for him to fight on. And that's that's why he's mm-hmm. always lost. And just like, man, the that audio drop of Sylvie saying what that mean that's what it means to be a Loki to lose and just does his the anguish wail. And it's also funny too, because they ran that big mouth TikTok filter right as he explodes. So it's like <laughs> even as they are at the emotional core of the material, they're still kind of sort of going for laughs. As as Loki's, you know, they'd never lose sight of that that thing too and break attention a little bit. I I guess uh, I already wax poetic for like 10 to 15 minutes at the start of this this podcast. But man, I just found this extremely satisfying that I couldn't do this. You couldn't do this. You listening to this podcast couldn't do this. Most Marvel heroes couldn't do this. But Loki, the mischief god, the sorcerer, the half frost giant. If if this is the equivalent of him lifting a car to save a newborn, you know, for you and me. I was going to take it back again. He doesn't even think he can do it. This is why he's screaming Uh because he's like, I am losing again. Why am I losing again? I did everything, you know, and yeah. And then he he loves his friends timeline from being destroyed uh, accidentally. And then he realizes, oh, that's the thing that makes it work. It it reminds me of um, the Matrix, right? Where where Neo just says, sure. Yeah. The the bullets are coming at him and he says no. And he finally gets it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, there's definitely that moment with maybe a little more structure around the rules there, but I, I think it's a great it's a great moment, um, and it, it it intrigues me too because I want to know what he means by it's not about the why, it's about the who. It's about who I can rewrite the story. Is it? And then when he shows up in this moment, is it about who goes out to try and fix the loom? Was he? actually the person all along who was supposed to be the hero to go out there and the fact that he didn't Hmm. do it means that Victor Timely was destroyed which means that all of this stuff unraveled Uh, was he he actually destined to go out there and the Asgardian god that he is be able to actually tank that radiation and fix the loop? I definitely would believe that especially since he's doing it in the service of good and saving and protecting but Uh I was hoping that like it'd be something more like if you can go back in time, why wouldn't you go back in time to like right before the loom went super critical and you can still, you can like grab the device from Victor timely and uh, then you or grab Victor timely too, taking back before, you know, before it's like a crisis mode, just, just, just settle yeah. it, you know, where Mobius could tank the radiation, you know, you don't have to wait till it goes sure. super critical. And and this is where the time travel stuff gets, to be a problem for storytelling right because if you have that power it's limitless you could go to any time and fix any problem no matter what i suspect that like because i think you're right that he's going to jump back to the moment of criticality and try to i I suspect that like that's when you're going to get the the, bring full circle to kang and he's going to come on he's like haha paving your steps and you thought it was you all along and that's meaningless blah but because like that's the the, when you get to the who it's it's the people it's like he doesn't really want to save the tva he doesn't care about that shit he doesn't even really want to be a good guy he just wants to stay with his friends because it's the first time he's felt connection 
Uh, well, not the first time. I think he generally... But I, yeah, this Loki hasn't. This Loki wanted that connection with his brother and maybe had it at some point in more innocent times. But sure. because, you know, who Thor is and who he is and who their father is, uh, he was kind of like destined to be the second son in all the worst ways. And he's goddamn an Asgardian god and a frost giant. And he's proud. And so he became the villain. And the other thing I keep thinking in terms of like future payoffs of this is like how sweet it's going to, assuming the Loki doesn't die in this series, but like how sweet it's going to see be to see this version of Loki reunite mm-hmm. with our version of Thor when Thor thinks he's lost his brother right at the cusp of him making the same realization. Yeah. And like Loki never got to connect in that way with his brother and Thor never got to connect with Loki on this level. Right as he got good, he got he got killed by Thanos. I'm like, man, that's going to... I hope the rest of Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't fall as shit like it apparently is out of Disney's corporate greed and impatience because that's a really fucking legit emotional moment that I would really like to clap and cheer for in a theater if they haven't driven me off from all the other stupid shit. But like, man, that's... And I think they're just paving the way for that so, so beautifully. Yeah, as I'm watching the the episodes here i'm always reminding myself this is the loki that never experienced anything beyond like that first avengers movie right like yeah yeah this is is a loki that got killed in that one timeline early on in the loki story so Mm -hmm. i i i he doesn't have all that development but it's interesting because he did get that development eventually as other versions of himself and you're right if he comes back having developed essentially the same direction, uh, we can kind of pick up where we left off. It's sort of brilliant in that way. And and even better, like it's like even a more satisfying version because it's like these are versions of Thor and Loki that can appreciate each other in a way that the others wouldn't have been able to, even if they had, yeah. like if that Loki had survived and that, uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I, I hope I hope the universe is worthy of the moment. Here's the other option for who. I explored one avenue. I think there's another, and I think it's Sylvie. Um, season one, they went pretty hard on the Loki falling in love with himself via Sylvie stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was all metaphor and they feel like they made their point uh, or if this was something that they plan to continue. They haven't done much with it this season at all, but Sylvie's been kind of mostly out of the picture. And when she's come into the picture, it's been in moments of crisis. And there's been no time to really develop interest between them. So I wonder if the other who could be Sylvie. That's a great one. It also reinforces the themes of like, you know, the best, most purest form of self um, improvement is from love of oneself. Sure. And loving oneself is a good thing. I don't care what the Mm -hmm. priests say. Uh, I, and I think that uh, that there's an. I, I think that's that would be great. I think that would be interesting to like learn to love yourself, flaws and on, in in like a uh, like a. I'd be interesting to see that taking in a romantic sense. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm here for it. I I am officially shipping Loki and Sylvie. I think I was doing the, that the, in the first season. Yeah. Just the yeah. This has been a lot 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 more sub submerged, submarine this 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 season. Yeah, just kind of sidelined for the moment. Um, but we'll see. Uh, next week is going to be a big one. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm excited for it. 
Yeah, me too. I I I don't. Uh, like I said, I'm happy if they did the thing, the comic book thing, and Loki just goes back and wins. But I'm also helping for the ex. I'm hoping for the extra third stage boost of it was Kang all along. Because again, yeah, you every time the villain wins, season. every time the villain wins, it just makes the the heroes winning that much sweeter. Um, yeah, down the road. So yeah, and and we know that they they are married to Kang at this point. Like this is this is the Thanos of this phase. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, and that's that's the other thing about this show. We talked so much in the beginning about other stuff, but like this is the first Marvel Disney Plus thing that has felt vital. You know, like yep. effortlessly connects, but also standalone because, like, you know, Loki coming back will be an applause moment for any reason. You know, uh, but like this has been the first one that I felt has like been fully worth my time. Like, I think WandaVision fell off a bit. I did, like, the Hawkeye Christmas stuff. And it is really funny to think, like, why, <laughs> why Loki's battling for the entire existence of the universe and all time that, like, Hawkeye's just fucking around in New York on a Christmas adventure. But, uh, like, yeah, like, this is the first one that's felt like, yeah, this is, like, a, this this is something, if, if I had a friend, I'd be like, yeah, you kind of need to see this one before you I see agree. the next door. Or, but, like, you know, not because it's homework, if you mm-hmm. if you like this shit the way you're excited about the next door, you definitely want to go see Loki. Yeah, yeah I know there most of Marvel shit's the TV stuff's bad, but like this 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 one is it, yeah, I know even with the flaws of, of the techno babble or whatever, like I still think it's just like a really vital piece of the canon. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Uh and I'm really enjoying it. You know, even though I it, it kind of loses me on the plot stuff this episode, I think it's firing on all the other cylinders so we can still get the car up the hill. I'm, yeah, I'm good with it. The podcast is over. Insert your feedback, losers. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So at the very uh, end of this episode, Zaniac himself, Brad X Five, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I guess there's an audio stinger at the end of this credits. I, I didn't actually hear it, but yeah, that's what he says. He says like, "You died. You, lost, in, you died. Insert insert your coin, loser. Loser. Yeah." Is that is that the character that Zaniac is? I have no idea what Zaniac is like. I don't know. Me is he either. an antagonist? Like I said, he's, I th- I, he's yeah. He's well. He's um. He's like some kind of psychic parasitic demon that infests humans and turns them into some kind of monster okay. man. Antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like yeah, an antagonist definitely. to me. Not a good guy. Uh-huh. Not a good guy. He needs he needs to be kidnapped by the TVA and shocked a few times where he can become a hero. Yeah. But um, squeeze him in a little box. All right, now for our post episodes teaser, we got we got uh, emails. Hold on to your skin. We'll be back after this short break. You are they who remain after the commercial break. Welcome back to Loki. If you'd like to send us feedback, uh, it's marvel at baldmove.com. That's what these fine folks did. Uh, we've got quite a bit of it. Uh, uh, feedback's really picking up the last few weeks. Michelle P says, thrilling as the party wipe at the end of episode four was, we know there are only two episodes to go, but do you think Loki, agent of the TVA, dies at the end of this? So this is obviously sent at the end of four, but still relevant. Can you see an ending where perhaps Loki ends up in Valhalla with Frigga, uh, Heimdall, and company? A warrior has to die nobly in combat to make it to Valhalla. Presumably, Sacred Timeline Loki should have spirited there after Thanos snapped his neck. So maybe this show could complete TVA Loki's redemption arc this way. Um, I 
hope they don't kill Loki until he can have uh, at least one fun movie with his brother. Mm-hmm. I yeah, would really such... like to see a buddy, a buddy Marvel movie with the odd couple of Loki and Thor and not like an antagonist just like that's we've seen it for brief stretches of movies but a whole mm-hmm. movie of that Loki and Thor I, I would I would dig that or an eight episode series maybe yeah that return that you've laid out earlier is so compelling I really hope they don't just kill him and send him to a place where he won't be with Thor because the other thing is like you know that's the that's the dirty little secret Christians have about heaven it seems hella boring. And what the hell do you even do up there? You float around in a cloud and you sing harps. Or, and if you literally look at the Bible, you just kind of like stand around the throne of God and sing praises to his name. Like I get that's fun to do on Sunday mornings, but damn all the time, no more Marvel TV. What? So Look, I, I like my vices. Valhalla. It's just feasting and drinking. You know what? What's it's like, there's no, there's no drama in Valhalla. I mean, those are a couple of my vices. I, Valhalla sounds better than the Christian heaven. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, I can get like feasting and drinking. That's that sounds righteous. I like that literally. Um, yeah. Uh, Michelle says, "Where is Valhalla and all this? Can it be affected by the TVA? Is it outside of it all? I'm all questions with no answers in my mind, but I love to know your take." I would think that Asgard is not heaven, or if it is, it's like heaven in like a Star Trek: The Next Generation way, where it's like a different plane of existence, or it's a different uh, dimension of the galaxy. Um, connected to ours through some kind of like rainbow teleport bridge that's technology indistinguishable from magic, that kind of stuff, that they're aliens, not literally gods. So, uh, yeah, I think it would, it's, it's part of the universe. Like, I think this might take out like even elemental forces of the universe, like death and time. Like this might just end the entire Marvel reality. Hmm. But I don't know. I'd, 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 I'd just be curious to see, for all the real the this comic book nerds like what's your take on that would like you know like is, is, is like death and eternity and all that standing around like oh fuck this is a hell of a mess like the whole thing's turning spaghetti what are we going to do now or are they part of that are they outside of that i would think they'd be part of it but i don't know i don't know if you can get outside of it it feels like a thing that the fundamental laws of the universe and things will be outside of but that's like gravity doesn't exist outside the universe. I think they've I've I've heard many scientists make that point that like at the Big Bang, mm-hmm. like all bets are off. We don't know how the physics worked. And my thought is like they've always explained like death and eternity and things like that is is um like like the the represent the constants, the fundamental physical truths of the universe. So if the universe was gone, I'd think they would too. But well, but there's we can't get outside of our closed system of a universe. Mm-hmm in the show they have so like there's another there's another plane of existence outside of time the multiverse whatever I and see, to me like the TVA is at one of those yeah the TVA is outside the, the, the castle the palace of he who remains whatever is outside of yeah. time I don't I don't know what that means for the forces of like death or gravity or also like Awatu the watcher you know from Marvel's what if series like I, I is, is he like sitting there watching his cosmic television and be like what the fuck is this the end of the Sopranos like what's going on all the sure all my signals just went out or is he caught up in this too I I don't know because clearly uh, gravity exists outside of the timeline right he who the remains universe? is 
it's it's acting on Loki and He Who Remains and is, Miss. Is Minutes. that like a universe he created that has that frame of reference? I don't know. I don't know. It's outside of the other timelines, so I yeah. don't know what to call sounds, it. <laughs> sounds like a great, great comic book debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Luke says, I appreciate the stakes for the show have ratcheted up and has left us with a ton of options for how the season will wrap up. I believe the writers will use this opportunity to show the characters we know from the TVA and the original times and timelines. Luke, this email was right on. You won all the internet points. You either got screeners a really good leak or got all the internet points. Look at this. It'd be not surprised me if you see a flashback type episode where we see Mobius's life outside the TVA, see the life he's been missing out on. I then assume we get a getting the gang packed together across the timelines as each character becomes aware again of what the TVA was and what they need to do to move the story forward. Pretty on the nose. Well done, Luke. Craig T from the UK says, I'm enjoying this season of Loki and it definitely has a lot to do with you guys. So I thank you. Well, thank you, Mm, Craig. Thanks. I want to touch on a couple things. One, you're wondering if what people are saying is the truth. Uh, what are people saying is the truth? You know, is Kang lying, that kind of stuff. Uh, is Miss Minutes lying? The way I look at that is, yes, they are, but in a kind of context that could be missing. For example, if someone asked how Iron Man is, you could say, oh, he died fighting Thanos. You're leaving out quite a bit of context. So I take it at, yes, the things we hear are the truth, but probably not the whole truth. The second thing is, isn't it inevitable when a show takes a huge swing that it ultimately disappoints? At the end of the day, is that it is the confines of the show that need it to go on to contend with. The only time it can ever work as, as a finale to a series, and even then a lot of people end up hating the choices they make. Lost and Quantum Leap are examples. Granted, I've not seen as many shows as others, so could you maybe give me examples of shows where it works and it not being the series finale? I can think of several. Um like the leftovers definitely nailed the series finale in my mind, but every single season they mat like Lindelof and Perota swung for the fucking fences and took crazy risks, insane risks and paid mm-hmm. them off. And it helps that kind of each season can stand alone as like a finale. It could be. There. Yeah. But one that, one that is definitely not a finale and one that fucking nailed it recently is severance. Severance that was my second example. Takes yes. a huge swing at the end of that and nails it and I'm ready for season 2. And that's the thing is like that and so if Severance ends up failing ultimately or like it doesn't end up satisfying it's like it still definitely paid off I think uh in in these sub seasons and I'm hoping it pays off well. Uh, Dark I thought like oh, Dark was yeah. a great way every like time. every every season just when you think it's like surely it's going to contract and like get smaller they would just like fuck you here's another level of this onion that you had no idea but also yeah like wrapped up a bunch of stuff but then like kick the kick the story in another gear and they did that that season after season and then they completely wrapped it up in a perfect way there there's lots it's not super uncommon um you know, I can think of a lot of contra examples too. But in the golden age of television, I think more often than not, shows pull it off. Now, maybe we're getting into the tail end, and we're going to have a collapse with all this, you know, the the massive amount of content they're trying to pump out right now. But I think, yeah, there, there's there's a couple every year that really really nail it, uh, and not and not necessarily season finale type of way. Uh, Chad Turner says, has anyone else uh, noticed this episode had not one but two small-scale exposition scenes? Miss Minutes uh, showing Rin's Slayer a recording at the beginning and Obi's loom repair explanation shortly after. Again, this is for episode four. 
Not sure what to make it, uh, just pointing out something. Did that bother you, the exposition in a previous episode? No, like I said, I'd I'd rather have the rules clearly defined in a couple of exposition dump scenes than mm-hmm. to not have rules that I understand. So, yeah, I'm cool with that. I think the exposition do- dump scenes, because I just was talking to people on Twitter about um, uh, the Nolan movie Tenet. Did you ever see Tenet? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a movie that, like, I normally sit in rapt attention as Nolan's explaining on a chalkboard how his dream system works or how his system of magic works. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, that's because I care about the characters. Tenet, I didn't. So, like, the exposition seemed excruciating because I'm like, why do I want to know? I couldn't possibly care if Robert Pattinson lives or dies and, you know, Denzel's kid and all that. To Becky. Like, fuck him. Who cares? Um so I, I, since I was deeply invested in all that, I didn't notice it as much. But it was a lot of exposition. Yeah, it's about how it's done too. Like if you can give me a character as entertaining as like Obi, and he's doing exposition, yeah. I'm, I'm all in. Where it's like uh, the performance comedy is a part of the appeal. Yeah, but you're not wrong in pointing out that like a lot of the times exposition is done poorly. Yeah. Uh, Jim and Aaron, how was Obi's model making and painting skills? When I watched <laughs> when I watched that scene, I instantly thought of you guys and the bald lunch model talk. We had a wild club member enter the the feedback here. Uh, gave me a laugh. Um, well, I mean, there's obvious scaling issues, right? I mean, those those <laughs> right. struts, the thickness, the girth of them, wildly out of proportion to the the the, the loom uh, loops themselves. Like that's going to lose him some points there. That paint I, I, I job. love it on on two levels because yeah, I, I would be proud of that model. I think that model looks great, and I also love it on the level of like behind the scenes, a person had to put this model together. I don't know how much time they were given, but to have someone on screen commenting about the shoddy nature of their model that they probably slaved over for weeks, I think is great. <laughs> I think it, I bet they enjoyed it because that'd be the kind of uh-huh. job that I would like to like the, you know, it's like a, a meta joke. And I, I bet there was a lot of meetings about how good do we want to make the model? Yeah. Like, do you want to make it like exceptionally exquisite? So the joke is that or do you want it to be like 90 percent of exquisite so that OB can be a little modest about it? Because, you know, I, I don't know. I just <laughs> and I bet there I, was I a lot that. of behind the scenes like uh, the in the model shop there were probably a lot of behind the scenes like that model looks like shit keep it up yeah <laughs> like a, a lot of just shit talk in the behind the scenes stuff i imagine um third is ob a variant of he who remains there's no evidence there just want to hear what you guys think well you know what they say about assertions of that evidence <laughs> uh i don't see it i no i'm not seeing yeah, it i don't man. either but All i right. guarantee we haven't seen the last of he who remains uh, Jason from the suburbs of Chicago says, just wanted to make sure we all know that Ray Kroc is the original or alleged founder of McDonald's. The movie The Founder goes into great detail about how Kroc took the McDonald's oh, yeah. brother's idea and made it into the franchise juggernaut. What did I, what did I, say, did I say? Ray Cook? Oh, I don't remember. I, 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 know, I, I, did, I did that thing I do. Um, yeah, Ray Kroc. Hate to besmirch the name of Michael Keaton's Ray Kroc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, Marvel's writing formula makes sense that Sylvie would retreat to McDonald's. Both her and Thanos created universe-shattering events. Thanos rejected the lives of billions while Sylvie is serving billions, just like it says on every <laughs> Golden Arches sign. Where Th- Thanos escaped to a fresh garden, Sylvie escaped to a greasy hamburger restaurant. And whereas Theros, <laughs> Thanos... 
Thanos choked Loki to death. Sylvie kissed him and potentially gave him something to live for. I'm interested to see if Thanos' Sylvie juxtaposition continues. Uh, Thor will fly in and axe chopper right right in the chest. Nice. Boom. Cleaver. Cleaver right there. Um, yeah, I don't know what other theory, what other, what, what other parallels would there be? I don't know. All of the Marvel universe coming in with time portals and kicking his ass. Miss Marvel blowing up her, her ride. I don't know. Um, but those are interesting parallels that you found so far. Terrence from DC says, I'd just like to thank you for your coverage of Loki. I've thoroughly enjoyed this season. Uh, but it's starting to feel like an island because critics and podcasters have been so critical of the season. While it's not perfect, it's been consistently funny, charming, and visually and auditorially appealing. The rest of the world just doesn't seem ready uh, for an MCU workplace comedy that doesn't take itself too seriously. I don't know. I think this is very comic booky material. And, like, I like, I will watch anime to a certain amount, you know, but, like, when it gets too anime. You know, like when when they get angry and they turn to little chibi demons with like, you know, or like a girl flirts with them and their nose starts bleeding. I'm like, ah, this is really fucking anime, right? This is just a very comic booky flavor. And I think people like Alan and Jim and probably a lot of the audience are like, ah, this is a lot of feels over reels kind of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kind, kind of business. So I, I don't think it's uh, but but yeah, I I'm interested to see this is a very well regarded show critically and i know alan seppenwall came out early against but this still has got crazy high ratings on rotten tomatoes i think um has there been like a revolt in this last week or two i don't know uh i've not i've not really seen it but i haven't been looking at what critics are saying i'm looking more at what the audience is saying and the audience is still loving it yeah the audience seems to really like it because you know surprise surprise people this long into the in uh, you know the disney plus mcu experiment they're like the diehards right so oh yeah um, P.S. I'm also apparently the only person in the entire multiverse who doesn't seem bothered by Major's portrayal of Victor Timely. It was really odd at first, but by the end of the episode, I'd accepted it. And by episode four, I think it adds a genuine comedic element to everything else going on. Yeah, I've I, I came around, I think, at the end. I see I see where he's ending up at Kang at the end of the universe. And I see where he started as Victor. And I can kind of see the through line there. Yeah. I do wonder if this is what weird personality quirks is he going to have in the next iteration of Kang that we see, you know, have we, have we seen all the gears that he remains has, or is he going to go through a spectrum of strange and quirky personalities? Probably, probably a spectrum. Uh, Ben says, I'm loving Loki and agree with your uncertainty around Victor Timely. One thing that had me thinking was him sticking his head into the temporal signature scanner. Right after he does it, he decides to head into the time loop chamber himself. Could it be that the scanner was programmed to inform Kang variants of the plan? That was my take, at least. You know, there might be something interesting about his head scanning. Like, at Mm -hmm. that point, he teleported himself to the beginning of the loop with this full knowledge or something. And, but I, 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 I feel you. There might be something there. I almost guarantee there's still more K Kang paving. Uh, I, I don't know where it's at, how far advanced the black topping is going. Um, but, but there's definitely some pavement being laid, you know? Oh yeah. Um, Bill from New Jersey is up and he's the last guy. And he says, I was thoroughly entertained. And do I dare say moved by episode five? 
I laughed out loud at Loki shaking his arms in sync at the wacky, waving, inflatable tube man outside of Mobius's shop. Ultimately, Loki's honest re- revelation to Sylvie that he had been doing all this so he wouldn't be alone and he would have to have purpose, no word on how glorious it was, totally reframed all of their previous dialogue. She was working at him, uh, getting him to admit to himself why he was so ready to save the TVA. Loki being more noble but ultimately selfish motivated feels like the right earned place to move a character that had all of his bad guy past. To that past, the only thing I was looking for was some nod to who Loki has been previously. When the timestamp for B-15 came up as 2012, I was expecting her to have some sort of recognition like, aren't you the guy that just invaded Earth with an army of aliens a few months ago? But no. May not have been a worthy departure, but uh, might have paid off to remind the audience of the truly bad things this Loki has done. Are we not sure that one me wasn't having that reaction? Because I kind of thought the way she freaked out. I mean, you could, I guess, see a man spaghettify or splinch or whatever in front of you. But I thought there was definitely a like, oh, my God, this is the guy that almost destroyed. It'd be like Osama bin Laden showing up in a New York building post 9-11. Right. Did you not get did you get some of that? Uh, I'm not really sure. I don't know what to make of that reaction. I mean, it's it's a crazy thing to happen in front of you, whether it's like imagine Osama bin Laden, you know, time shifting in front of you and all that looks like uh-huh. that would be a lot. And it looked oh, like yeah. a face of a woman who's seen a lot. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, that that does it for feedback this week. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, we'll see if we can bring it around for for some of the not as comic booky enjoyer people next week. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, we'll be back next week. If you like to send us feedback, of course, Marvel at baldmove.com is where you want to send it. If you want to find out what we're doing besides Loki, uh, what we're going to be doing next, we're starting up for all mankind for one, if you like science fiction. Uh, check us out on social medias. We're at bald move everywhere, except for TikTok. We're at baldest move. Finally, uh, if you like to support what we're doing here, get tons of bonus features, get, get, get a, get a load of this lunch. We're talking, been talking about a lot this episode, uh, we'd appreciate your support at support.baldmove.com. That's it. Thanks for listening again. Until next week, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. Bye.